Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. This week in the BCL, two games went to double overtime. Mornar Bar got their first win of the season and Tenerife stayed undefeated. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, as usual, is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, how's it going this week? Yeah, good. Uh, I guess the um, the PCL gods were uh, were very giving this week after uh, having us wait a week for action, uh, double overtime and two double overtimes and, and lots of close games. So plenty of fun. Yeah, a lot of free basketball this week and a lot of great games to talk about. Uh, joining us on this week's episode is Yannick Morera from Peristeri. The Greek team beat Nimburg this week, and Morera has had a very interesting career starting out in Angola and uh, working his way over to the U.S. and then having a great career in Europe the past few years. He was a part of the Virtus Bologna team that won the championship last year in the Champions League, so make sure you stay tuned for that interview. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at BasketballCL, and make sure you subscribe to the official Champions League YouTube channel and check out championsleague.basketball. That's the official website with all the stats and highlights and analysis you need to follow the Champions League. All right, Dave, let's jump in for the team of the week for game day seven. Leading it off, Ryan Toulson from Manresa, 24 points, four assists, three steals as Manresa got a big win, uh, beating Sassari by one point on the road in Group A. Lamonte Ulmer from Dijon, 23 points, eight rebounds, five assists, seven steals. Evangelos Margaritas from Pauk helped them keep their winning streak going. He had 17 points, three rebounds, and three steals. Jere Grant from Strasbourg. 14 points and four rebounds as they beat Turk Telecom on the road. And our MVP this week is Zoltan Pearl from Falco Zambate. He had 21 points, seven assists, five rebounds as Falco blew out Neptunus 97 to 73 in Group D. Dave, uh, I think there's there's one person missing from the team of the week. It's it's a little bit criminal this week. Who uh, who did the committee miss uh, for game day seven? Um, yeah, you know, usually, usually, uh, you know, there's always a guy, okay, maybe could have been included in the team and, and, um, yeah, and yeah, but MVP is usually pretty solid. I think, I think, uh, I think we may have missed maybe even a guy who, who could have slash should have won the MVP with, uh, Brian Angola from Ostend, 33 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block, uh, had, uh, in the double overtime win for Ostend, um, had uh, a huge three-point play uh, to even it up in, in the second overtime, and then the big steal and dunk uh, just before the buzzer to give him the win. Uh, yeah, Angola, I, I think, I think really needs to be in there, and, and really, I think could have won the MVP. So, uh, otherwise, you know, uh, there's there wasn't there wasn't any other, you know you know, glaring omission, let's say. Yeah, for sure. I, th I think Angola definitely needed to be in there, probably the MVP with his performance this week. But with the way he's playing this season, uh, I think he'll definitely make it on the team of the week before the regular season is over. All right, let's jump in with the group-by-group -group breakdowns, starting it off with Group A. 
some great games in this group. You mentioned Ostend with the double OT win over Torun, but I wanted to start with Strasbourg beating Turk Telecom on the road, 83-75. to Strasbourg snapped a three-game losing streak in the BCL. They've won five straight in France and now a big win over Turk Telecom. And to me, the difference was in the fourth quarter. It was 67-67 to early in the fourth quarter after Mustafa Fall had a couple buckets for Turk Telecom. And then Strasbourg, just much better execution down the stretch. Quentin Saron hit a big three-pointer. Ali Traore had a mid-range jumper. Damian Inglis and... Uh, and Scotty Reynolds and Dre Grant all made some plays for Strasbourg, whereas Turk Telecom, a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots late in the fourth quarter, some open looks, uh, and, and just didn't keep their composure as the French side were able to get a much-needed win, beating previously 5-1 and one Turk Telecom. Uh, Dave, you were optimistic about Strasbourg throughout some of their early struggles this season. Are, are you happy that you held on to their stock right now? Yes, I'm still a stockholder. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you just thought that this was a, a team that, you know, could do it, and and uh, and uh, you know, you mentioned the turnovers, and they they turn they were able to turn those turn those turnovers into points, uh, nineteen to four points off turnovers for for Strasbourg. Really, a huge win um, in a in a in a in a in a group that's. You know, you look at it, it's one, one, two, three, four, four teams at three and four, uh, and three at five and two, with Tyrone being at, at one and six. So almost a must win, a huge win on the road also for Strasbourg to, to you know, you mentioned they'd lost three in a row. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely have to be happy if you're a Strasbourg fan. Yeah, Mustafa Fall in the loss for Turk Telecom, a monster performance, 21 points, 14 rebounds, 9 of 10 from the floor. He was unstoppable, uh, but Strasbourg did a good job forcing the ball away from Fall late in the fourth quarter, making the other guys beat them, and they couldn't quite do it. Next week, Strasbourg are at Ostend, two teams that are 3-4. and four. That's going to be a huge game, so make sure you check that out. Elsewhere in Group A, Manresa beat Sassari 74-73. to Manresa with their first road win of the season. Leet Cabellus won their third game of the, in a row, beating Halone 78-72. to And we mentioned Ostend with the 105-103 win over Torun in double OT. Dave, any other notes on Group A? Uh, I'll, I'll come back to the Sassari-Manresa game uh, a little bit later. Um, Ostend, uh, really a fun game, the double overtime with, with Tyrone. Uh, four players from, from Ostend played 36 or more minutes. Um, and lead Cabela's, Hey man, three wins in a row. Um, 21 of 22 free throws, 95.5% for, for lead Cabela's, uh, kind of the boneheaded play at the end with by TJ Klein on sportsman, like kind of, uh, giving, um, uh, Lee Cabela sort of the, the final push to, to the victory. 
All right, moving on to Group B, one of the games of the week and games of the season so far. Ike with a 79-77 win on the road at Anvil in Poland. We talked about this game last week. We were really excited for this with Anvil's great offense, a lot of really good scores with Ricky Ledeau, Tony Roten, uh, Chase Simon, all these guys going up against Ike and their stingy defense. Ike ended up pulling out the victory despite trailing 31 to 18 early in the game. Uh, Chari Yiannopoulos hit some huge three pointers in the second and third quarter to bring Ike back into it. And then uh, Ike outscored Anvil nine to two in the final two and a half minutes. Last play of the game for Ike. Anvil doubled Keith Langford, got the ball out of his hands, which is a smart move. He's, you know, the, the second leading scorer in the BCL right now. Got the ball out of his hands. He kicked it to Howard Saint-Ruz, who drove, fed Jonas Machulis for the dunk. And then on the other end, Anvil were unable to get a good look at the basket. Uh, Ike had only committed one team foul up to that point. So they fouled Onville a couple times to disrupt their offense. And then Tony Roten thought he was going to be fouled with about five seconds left and launched the ball up from half court. Uh, but Jonas Machulis actually did not foul him. Mm-hmm. So Roten uh, basically just threw the ball out of bounds and gave it back to Ike. They were able to hold on to the win. Uh, Dave, this was... A really, really competitive game overall. Great atmosphere in Poland. Uh, what did you think about the Greek team taking down the Polish champs? Um, this was a great game. And, you know, every now and again, we'll come up and we'll say, yeah, go back and watch watch this game. And I would say go back and watch this game because it was fantastic. The the, the intensity intensity at first quarter was absolutely amazing. Um, you, you uh, okay, Anvil. Playoff game atmosphere. Totally, sure. totally, totally. And, 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 you know. Uh, and also some absolutely un- incredible highlights. Um, if you go back and just watch the highlights of the game, you'll see some incredible dunks uh, from Anvil and their and their fantastic athletes. Um, and and Anvil really wasn't able to kind of keep that intensity, especially offensively, up. Um, you know, it, it's a, you know, so you really have to give Ike. You know, you mentioned it was a thirteen point lead, and um, it was thirty one eighteen. Um, and they, and, uh, Ike hadn't scored in the first five minutes of the second quarter. And then just before halftime, it was 37, 36. So they had got, they had cut that, uh, cut that lead, uh, down to one point already. Um, just a, just a great game. Um, and, uh, this is, a, this is a game I'll go a game team, whatever that I'll go into overtime a little bit more. So I'll kind of leave it for that. Yeah, Keith Langford relatively limited in this one, only 16 points. I, I, I say only because he averages like 22. Uh, mm-hmm. Only 16 points and five turnovers in this game, but some other guys stepped up. Jonas Machulis had one of his best games of the season with 16 points. Yiannopoulos, like I mentioned, four huge three-pointers. Howard St. Ruse made some great plays in the third and the fourth quarter. Uh, Ike get the win on the road. And they improve to five and two. Elsewhere in Group B, San Pablo Burgos with an important win on the road, beating Rastafecta ninety-three to eighty-seven. Bandirma also win on the road, beating Pau Ortez ninety-six to seventy-six. And Hapoel Jerusalem snap their two-game losing streak in the BCL. They beat Antwerp ninety-four to seventy-two. Dave, any other thoughts on Group B? 
Uh, Jordan Davis uh, with a huge first game for uh, for Festa with uh, 35, 35 points. Um, Poe Ortez was playing without uh, um, Nicholas de Jong and also Travis uh, Leslie. That was definitely uh, a big factor. And Ibakwe, um, uh, they, they brought him in. He had 19 points, but zero in the last 15 minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, with the Bandirma, you know, you really have to be impressed with, um, what Alperen Schengen uh, was able to do, uh, 2002 born 20 points. Um, and, uh, you know, just really good footwork, you know, drive to the basket, you know, had his little stop hook over Ibakwe, uh, was uh, 10 of 11 from the, from the free throw line. He had only 10 points in his first five games and exploded for 20, including 12 in the second half. So a really, really big game from the youngster. And and, and also, you know, they were able to hit their threes, uh, 59%. All right, next up, Group C. Let's start it off with undefeated Tenerife beating Bomberg 82-64 to in Spain. This game snapped a four-game winning streak in the BCL for Bomberg. Georgie Shermadini was a monster yet again for Tenerife with 19 points, 8 of 12 from the field. Marcelino Huertas orchestrating the show with 13 assists. Uh, this was a, a pretty close game initially, uh, very back and forth for the first couple quarters. But Tenerife, a great finish to the end of the first half and a great start to the third quarter to really pull away. Sasu Salin hit some big shots. Uh, Tomas Yelo, Gabriel Lundberg, some of their role players stepped up. And for Bomberg, this is pretty concerning to me where Christian Sengfelder had 20 points, Paris Lee had 14, but nobody else had more than seven. Uh, just nobody else really able to, to step up and give them some offense when they needed it. And they just had no answer at all for the Huertas-Shermadini combo, which pretty much nobody has had an answer for that thus far this season. Those two guys were brilliant once again for Tenerife. They moved to 7-0 and with the win. Bomberg dropped to 4-3, and and they are uh, going to be in a in a dogfight for a playoff spot in that group with Nimbrick at 5-2, and Nizhny and Peristeri also at 4-3. and That's going to be very competitive uh, going forward. Dave, what were your thoughts on Tenerife knocking out the German side in this game? Yeah, you know, Bomberg, I've said a couple of times this season, they can look really bad at times. Um, and, you know, 35% field goal percentage. Um, they had the offensive rebound advantage of, of 16 to 5 and were only able to turn those 16 offensive rebounds into into 14 second chance points. So just unable to, to really do that. Um, and you, you know, one of the things that, you know, if you, if you kind of, let's say, call out a team, you have to, you know, praise them. You know, I said last week that Tenerife was, you know, was really struggling, uh, three point shooting wise. And then they come, come, <laughs> come out and say, all right, they've shut up and, and seven to 15, 46%. Um, so yeah, I, you know, Bamberg, I think, um, uh, you know, it's okay. It's hard to go to Tenerife, uh, and all that long road, a uh, long road trip, but, um, yeah, you know, you mentioned you know nobody else picking up any of the of the slack, and again, you know they they can look really bad at times, and that's I'm sure Coach Moore's is is uh, you know definitely more aware of that than I am. 
Yeah, no easy buckets in this one for Bomberg. You mentioned the the lack of second yeah. chance points despite the offensive rebounds. They were also only able to force eight turnovers and only had five fast break mm-hmm. points in this game. So nothing easy came for Bomberg as Tenerife suffocated them in Spain. Elsewhere in this group, Mornar get their first win of the season. They beat Gaziantep 84-77. to Not great for my Gaziantep optimism for earlier in the season. Uh, Nizhny <laughs> beat Vefriga 80-78. to uh, That game snapped a five-game losing streak for Nizhny in all competitions, so big win for them. And Peristeri beat Nimburg 75-65, to a very important win for the Greek club. Dave, any other notes on Group C? Uh, another sort of uh, up and down with Favriga. You know, they they took this third quarter uh, by twelve points, and then only scored nine points in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they just seem to find ways to lose. Um, and uh, uh, and and Nimbrook, you know, they they released uh, Ivan Almeida. Um, and then they also, uh, they also didn't have Yarmir, uh, Bocek in this game, um, had 20 turnovers, uh, 19%. Uh, we talk a little bit more about Peristeri, uh, in our interview with, uh, with Yannick, you know, with him, you know, coming into the team, Mike Morrison was able to play. He played, uh, four minutes. Uh, he had 23 points and seven rebounds in the first two games and hadn't played until the four minutes that he played, um, against uh Nimbrook. So those two plus uh Moses Kingsley, man, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty nice low post uh three headed monster. Um so you know if they can get the guard play with Hatcher and Gray to to kind of uh you know you know kind of round out that 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 sort of also very athletic and, and can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, this is a team that, you know, is now four and three. They had a coaching change. And uh, so, you know, watch out for, for Paris Dairy. All right. In the last group, Group D, let's start it off with Zaragoza. Double overtime victory over Brindisi, 96 to 93. Zaragoza got off to a great start in this game. They were dominant in the first quarter. Nicolas Brasino was on fire. He had nine points, three three pointers in the first five minutes. Then Brindisi were able to come back. Uh, it was a pretty back and forth game for a while. And then Zaragoza blew a six point lead in the final 45 seconds. They missed four free throws in the final minute of the fourth quarter. Zanelli for Brindisi was just fantastic in the comeback. Uh, he ended up hitting the shot to send it to overtime uh, initially. And Dylan Ennis for Zaragoza was just terrible for about four quarters, four and a half quarters, uh, really struggling with his shot, uh, taking some very questionable shots, some super deep three-pointers, just did not have it going at all. But then he came alive in overtime. He had two free throws with 2.8 seconds left to send it to double overtime. And then in double overtime, two big three-pointers. Then he knifed through the lane for a layup to stretch the lead from three to five and then a minute later he beats stone off the dribble for another layup to push the lead from two to four and then clinched the game with two free throws with 2.9 seconds left uh so 12 points for dylan ennis in the double overtime plus the final 2.8 seconds of the first overtime so 
Great performance from him late in the game after struggling early. He finished with 21. For Brindisi, Tyler Stone, pretty amazing game. 27 points, 19 rebounds, 5 assists, but not quite enough to get it done for the Italian side. Uh, Dave, what did you think about a, a pretty wild game in Spain? Uh, yeah, you mentioned the... Um... You mentioned the uh, the Dylan Dylan Ennis uh, six of twenty three for the game, um, and I think I I I, I uh, messaged you some head shaking <laughs> head shaking uh, attempts there. Um, pretty crazy. Um, this one was kind of hard hard at times to watch. Thirty one missed free throws in this game. Uh, Forty eight of seventy nine combined. Uh, that's a 60.7 um, clip. Um, you mentioned the free throws. I think, um, yeah, that's, you know, um, actually Barrera missed a, missed a couple. Um, uh, I think that was in regulation still. And Alice, and, and, uh, and Allison also missed a free throw. Uh, you know, this was another one of these games where, you know, okay, so just, uh, I guess, insider notes here, uh, you know, um, you know, behind, you know, cut down the, you know, take down the curtain, how, how we kind of do the show. We look at the games afterwards, you know, we can't watch all 16 games or eight games live at the same time, whatever. And, you know, you, you're watching the game and you're like, well, how did they lose this game? Or how did they, you know, <laughs> and this was one of those moments where you're like, well, you know, Saragossa is winning this game and there's only like, whatever, less than a minute left. How did they, how did they do that? And so, um, that was kind of those, you know, thanks or, you know, whatever, non-thanks to the free throws. Um, so yeah, that was kind of ugly with the free throws. Um, and also just one note really quick with Brindisi, uh, played without Marcus Banks. Not sure exactly why, but, uh, Marcus Banks didn't play in this one. Yeah. Big win for Zaragoza as they improved to four and three. Brindisi dropped to three and four. So a very important game in group D when the playoff time rolls around. Elsewhere in this group, Dijon get back on track. They had lost two straight in the BCL, but they smacked Besiktas 98-65 to on the road. I mentioned Falco beat Neptunus 97-73, to and Pauk with their third straight win, beating Bonn 85-83. to Dave, any final notes from Group D? Uh, Pauk uh, hitting 57%. Of their three, sixteen or twenty-eight, uh, only thirty-nine percent from inside the inside three-point line. Uh, Adam Smith, another huge game. Um, yeah, thirty-two assists by Dijon, uh, and um, twenty-one turnovers for Neptunus, and uh, so yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of surprising results in there. Uh, I wonder maybe if uh, one of those games might be mentioned again in overtime. All right, well, let's move on to overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up, stat of the week. My stat is 35. Dave mentioned this earlier. Jordan Davis from Rastafecta scored 35 points in his first game with them going up against San Pablo Burgos, tied the season high in the BCL along with Nicola De Jong. Uh, the reason why that is interesting is Davis scored just 32 points combined in three BCL games with Manresa. Very disappointing stint in Spain goes to Germany, drops 35 in his first game. So uh, good stuff from Jordan Davis. Uh, Dave, what's your stat of the week? I went with 60.9, some more boring free throw percentages. uh, And that was (laughs) Anvil, um, just 14 of 23 against Ike. 
and they lost um, 79-77, nine missed free throws. Um, and you they they cut to they cut to Coach Milicic a couple times after some of those first missed on those uh, on those free throws, shaking his head. They're thirtieth in the league in free throw percentage at sixty three point eight, and they're fifth. They take the fifth most, so it's it's a it's a double whammy. Um, only Neptunus Antwerp who are actually last in the in the league in free throws. Um, only uh, Neptunas, Antwerp, Burgos, and uh, Paris Derry take more free throws than Anvil, and they're shooting 63.8%. So that's what I have, 60.9% free, free throw percentage for Anvil in that game. Yeah, and that's a that's something that could really come back to bite them uh, when it gets closer to playoff time because you know they're one game behind Burgos and Fecta right now, currently out of the playoff picture. If they had just made a few more free throws, maybe they could have beaten Ike, and uh, yeah, that that could make a huge difference later in the season. Next up, surprise of the week for me, it's got to be Falco beating Neptunus 97 to 73. I've said before that I really like this Neptunus team. They were 9 and 1 in their last 10 games overall, but Falco uh, just absolutely destroyed them. Great job uh, by the Hungarian team in, uh, in protecting their home court. And they move to three and four, which is a really solid performance from them in the BCL. Uh, Dave, what's your surprise of the week? I actually went with Manresa, uh, winning on the road at uh, Cesare. You know, Cesare had been five and one, um, and being able to come back. And they actually, Manresa had a 41 22 bench points advantage. And they were missing Jordan Davis. Obviously, he's gone. He, he's at, he's at Fechta, but they were missing Luke Nelson, Frankie Ferrari, Yankuba Sima, Peritoma, uh, Peritomas, uh, and Ulis Baez. So even without all of those guys, they they the reserves came off the bench forty one twenty two to and uh, to get Manresa the the road victory um, at a at a really good Sassari team. So that's what my surprise of the week was. All right, next topic, team that we expect to surge in the second half of the season. Of course, game day seven, we're at the halfway point of the regular season. For me, it's Zaragoza. We talked about, you know, some of their struggles at the free throw line that could have helped them close out that game. They also are last in offensive rating in the BCL right now, the the lowest points per hundred possessions. Uh, but I expect them to be a lot better in the second half of the season. They play four of their seven games at home. They're 3-0 and at home in the BCL. They have Bonn and Besiktas next. So I think those are probably two wins to get their confidence up before they go on the road at Falco. And this is a team that has been really, really good in the ACB. They're third in the ACB right now behind only Real Madrid and Barcelona, and they've actually beaten both of those teams. So this Zaragoza team, I I think they're a lot better than what they've shown thus far in the BCL. I expect them to have a strong second half of the regular season. Uh, Dave, who's your team of the second half? Uh, I'm going to go with Strasbourg. Um, I guess I'm going to double down with my, with my stock. Um, you know they 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 grab the they grab the uh, they 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 snap their their losing streak. They went to Turk Telecom and got a big victory um, on the road. You know Ali Trari, you know had a big game. You know that's always good. And um, you know Scotty Reynolds has been has been 
you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say a calming influence, but he's, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a, a more, you know, aged veteran, you know, and, and if you go on the, on the basketball champions league website, um, there's a, there's a transfer report and he had, you know, he really had some, some nice comments about really wanting to go to Strasbourg and really respecting everything that's, that is at Strasbourg. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that, you know, with the scoring potential that those, that that team has, you know, also Grant and, and everybody else. Um, and then also they, they have the, they, in the second half of the, of the regular season, they have the Cesari game at home and they have the Turk telecom game at home. So those are two, you know, they're in that big old mess of, of three and four teams. Whereas, you know, I think it was four. Yeah, four teams at four and at three and four, and then and then three three at five and two. Um, so you have those two big games at home, and and uh, so I I I think they're I think they'll they'll be, you know, it's a team that has the veteran leadership that can that can get it done. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably fair to say. I'm pretty optimistic about Strasbourg as well. Next up, our MVP choice so far at the halfway point of the regular season. Uh, I think this is a pretty tough call this year. Last season, I thought it was it was definitely Vince Hunter who kind of ran away with the regular season MVP. Uh, but for this one, it's pretty tough call. I'm going to go with another Ike player. And despite maybe the conventional wisdom of it being Keith Langford, I'm going to say Howard St. Uh I think he's just been phenomenal on both sides of the ball this season. 13.7 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 4.4 assists, two steals. He's shooting 56% from the floor, 45% from the three-point line. This guy has just really stepped his game up. He is just a monster on both ends of the court. In that Anvil game, uh, pretty struggled you know, for the first two and a half quarters or so, but really came alive uh, in winning time to help Ike get that victory on the road. And if you go to realgm.com, they do, they have some great stats uh, for the Champions League. One stat is win shares, which basically just measures how many wins that you are responsible for uh, based on based on your play. Howard St. Ruse is currently number one in that category in the Champions League. The guy just does so much to affect winning basketball. Uh, so he's my pick for MVP at this point. Uh, Dave, who do you got for this one? You stole my pick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I usually try to have a, um, a second guy ready or a second team or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think people who have listened to the show know I'm a huge fan of, of Howard Tent Rose. Um, and, and, and just a couple of other things. One of the things I've also – we've also talked a little bit about this season, how he's really taken over the the um, the, the point guard role. Um, and, uh, you know, Mario, Mario Chalmers and Kendrick Ray – Kendrick Ray did play yesterday, uh, this week. Um, he hadn't played, uh, since game day three. Um, and, uh, so the fact that he kind of overtook, uh, he took, you know, took some of the, the responsibilities, um, you know, at the point guard position and really had some crazy, uh, assist turnover ratios as well, you know, taking care of the ball, obviously playing his great defense. So that's why I'll just add that little bit of information about San Rose because he, in, in my opinion, because of the, because of the defensive end that he does, you know, Langford's going to score, but he, you know, uh, San Rose really goes and, and, and takes the other guy uh, from the other team, t- uh, top score or whatever. And so that's why I'm going to go with San Rose. 
Yeah, I, th- I think he's a, a solid pick right now for his two-way impact. Uh, some other guys, I was considering Marcelino Huertas for Tenerife, uh, just running the show there for an undefeated team. He's averaging 8.3 assists per game. That's best in the BCL. Also 10.7 points per game. You could also go with Georgie Shermadini from Tenerife. He's at about 16 points, 6 rebounds per game. Um, and another guy who I was considering, uh, Daishan Pierre from Sasari, who's had some huge games, uh, for them. He's, uh, one, one of those guys similar to Saint Ruse who just impacts the game in so many ways. He's averaging 14.6 points, 8.3 rebounds, 2.4 assists and shooting good percentages from the field as well. So those are some other guys, uh, that, that could be in the mix, but yeah, I think at this point it's Saint Ruse, uh, for me. And the last topic for overtime, the title favorite as of right now, the team that we would pick to win the championship. Um, it was tough for me to not pick Tenerife because they are 7-0, and but I think they're going to face some, uh, some tough questions once that we get to playoff time and they see some different teams. For me, I'm going with Hapoel Jerusalem uh, in Group B. They're 5-2 and two right now. They have a ton of weapons on that team. Uh, I think a guy like Jacobin Brown re- really give Tenerife some trouble. Uh, and, and of course, it's interesting because those teams faced off in the quarterfinals last year with Tenerife prevailing. But I think uh, once we get to the playoffs, I think the the defensive problems of, of a guy like Marcelino Huertas and, uh, and, and Shermadini might be exposed a little bit uh, once we get into, into the, you know, knockout rounds of this competition uh dave who's your title favorite as of right now yeah you always do like your uh you use some uh some help with jerusalem for sure <laughs> uh fair, fair, and and for good reason for good reason you know i'm gonna go with ike i'm gonna stay with ike um and um y- y- because there's the old adage you know defense wins championships um and we you know one of the things that that really was intriguing about that 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 Ike Anvil game Anvil Ike game was that you know we kind of said who is going you know can can San Rose stop all of those weapons and um, you know I I I almost forgot that that Ray was even there and then you know Ray comes in plays you know plays some you know needed to play some solid defense because of all those guys that Anvil have um, and. Um, and they have those veteran bigs, you know, that, that don't care about scoring, um, uh, and, and, and slaughter. And, and you have a guy, uh, you have defensive stoppers and you have guys that, that, that have been in big moments. We talked about that, how, you know, okay, it was the su- surprise loss, um, to, to Fechta and they had nobody and, and there's all of this accolades from, from Fechta. Um, but they also have guys that, that, you know, if you need a basket, he's going to go get a basket, you know, with, um, with Langford and probably Ray can do that too. So, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Ike. Uh, you know, they were able to slow down. If I'm not mistaken, I think you said last week, um, that Anvil was the number one offense. Is that right? Uh, they were like top five, if, if not number one. Yeah, that was one of the things, you know, can they slow down the, the, the offensive prowess of Anvil? And they kept that game in the 70s. So I'm going to go with Ike. All right. Yeah, fair choice there. Uh, definitely think that the Queen have a chance to win the BCL once again. Remember, they won it a couple years ago. They're always in the mix. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if the trophy goes home to Athens again in 2020. 
All right, so that's going to do it for Overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Yannick Moreira from Perry Steri. Uh, stay tuned for that, and Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to preview Game Day 8 and wrap things up. Okay, so on the show this week, we have Yannick Moreira from Perry Steri. Windmasters, uh, Yannick, uh, thank you for uh, taking some time. Uh, thank you for uh, congratulations on the win over over Nimbrook, um, who they came into the game uh, with a five and one record. Uh, maybe maybe talk about the the keys to the victory. Um, it was just we know we were supposed to do it. Like, it was just had to play harder than them and kind of not let them get offensive rebound, not let them get open shots. So I think that we did a good job. We we as a kick on the other side of the floor, but differentially, I think that was the key. We kind of we played harder than them, and we, we just happy that we got the win. Yeah, you started off uh, hard, um, really uh, with the defensive intensity. I think they had four turnovers in their first first four possessions. Was that a key for you guys, or is that the main the, the you know the thought was to really? Uh, play hard from the from the very first minute just to really you know stamp your authority on the game. Yeah, for sure. When you when you're playing home, you, you just want to set the tone. You know, you don't want to let the other team punch you in the first punch. So you you want to be the one to throw the first punch. So I think they did put a good job on the jump, and I think uh, they didn't react. And I think we in the best spot, so we just keep pushing, keep pushing. It was a couple moments that we had up and down, so we stayed together and we just got the win. Uh, you had a you had a double double, and um, you had a uh, real big smile on your face in the second quarter after you made a nice pump fake and and spin move uh, for a lefty floater. Uh, maybe just what happened there? No, I was uh, looking at one of my old teammates that I played with at Park. He was sitting on the other side. He was talking to me during the game and I was just laughing because he was watching the game but at the same time he was just trying to talk to me during the game that was the part of it okay um, Paris Derry made a coach coaching change uh, with uh, with Coach Soros leaving uh, you had your first PCL game with with uh, with the new coach there maybe what if anything do you think has changed or, or will change uh, with the new coach uh, I think it's just uh, trying to get us to play harder. You know, and want us to play fast, play harder, and defend, rebound. So that's a, one of the first things that he told us was he got the job. And we're just trying to do that every day, every practice. We're just trying to do better, pushing each other. And I think that's the key for us. As long as we keep doing that, we keep making each other better. And we're going to be in pretty, pretty good shape at the end of the season. You you have a lot of uh, BCL experience from last season. Uh, you played really well for Pauk, and then uh, and then you moved to Bologna, and where you won the uh, basketball Champions League title um, with uh, Virtus Bologna. Maybe how did it feel to win a win a trophy at a European level for you? Man, when we won, we couldn't believe it. You know, because uh, we look we look how we was doing in Italy. It was like in a way we. The team can win a title and not make to the even the playoff in the domestic league, and that's what we did. We just like okay, we can 
we made it to the final four, you know, one game away, let's just focus and do everything we can to so we can leave here with a title. That's pretty much what we did. We blocked out everything. We said, but we just focus on one game at a time. And the coaches got us prepared. They put they did a good job on the staff report. Got us ready for the game. And you know, we just did a good job. And we came up with the, the title. And what, how'd that feel for you? I mean, a, a, a kid from, from uh, Angola, you know, raising raising the trophy uh, in uh, you know in front of you know whatever fifteen thousand people in uh, in um, in Antwerp. You know, how'd that feel for you? It feels great. You know, it's just looking how my career be going up and down, and to have a title like say like I won a championship like last year. It's just like I couldn't believe it at first, but really felt good. You know, when you speak to team, you kind of ask yourself, like, what, what's going on? Why I did that? But at the end, it worked out pretty well for me, so I was happy to be in that position. Let, let's talk about your background a little bit. You're you're from Angola, uh, from the capital of Onda, um, and uh, probably the only player from the from the BCL there. Um, but there is a there's a strong basketball tradition in that country. Uh, maybe. How and when did you first discover the game? Um, it was, I think when I was like 11, 12 years old, you know, I was watching my national team play. After basket, they play like, uh, it's like a, it's a tournament for all the Africans, countries that play, that was playing back at home, and I watched my national team win the title. I was like, wow, I just want to, I want to be I want to play basketball since I went up to cut the ball. Like I never, like I just fell in love with it. And I just keep playing since I was 12 until now. So that's how that's how they start. And maybe who are some of the guys you grew up uh, kind of looking up to? Uh, I mean, a couple of players from back home. I know a lot of you guys don't know, but uh, I watch uh, a lot of. Kobe Bryant highlights when I was younger. I wasn't that tall at the time. You know, I watched Kevin Garnett play and uh, Kevin Durant play a lot. So that's that's a player that I was growing up watching. Who were some of the were there were the, some of the guys back home? Were those national team players? Yes. So so who so give us a try. You know, uh, Jean Jacques Conceição. You know, uh huh, yeah. Miguel Lutonda was a point guard with the home and uh, Baduna. So I don't know if you guys know them. And were those guys on the national team that won that ti- that won that title then? That Afro title? Afro basket title? Yes. The, I mean, my national team won. They beat, I mean, the past, so yeah, they won like 11 titles. So, like, um, like, that's when I was like, I want to be a part of the national team so I can bring joy for this country and work on this kind of stuff. And then in 2008, you you helped um, you helped Angola to second place at the under 18 African Championship, um, and then uh, qualified for the U19 World Cup in 2009. Uh, in in New Zealand, you were able to play against you know big countries like Greece and 
and Lithuania, Puerto Rico. Maybe what was that experience like for you? You know, playing against really some of these, uh, you know, major countries uh, in basket in the basketball world. It was my first time in the experience, and I was like, I was shocked as well. Like, can't believe I'm like I, I started to have a board, and now I'm doing like I'm representing my country at the World Cup. I really couldn't believe it, but it was a great experience. You know, you can travel a lot, you get to play against other guys. You know, it's just, it's nice. Uh, I know I don't regret picking up this ball and start playing basketball. And that's a long trip all the way down to New Zealand too, right? Right. Um, after playing in the Angolan League, though, you uh, you went to South Plains uh, at junior college uh, in Texas. Maybe, uh, how did that happen? So, after national team, I went home. I went to at camp. So, first I went uh when I went, I think it's a BWB, Basketball Without Borders. Mm-hmm. And on the first day of camp, I broke my arm. And one of the guys that worked for Nike, his name was Rich Shelbrook. He used to be the, I think, Utah Jeff GM. He came with me and said, yeah, I will help you. The first, I had a, I broke my arm. I was, I was laughing. I was like, you got another hundred kids in here. Why would you help me? And then a couple of weeks later, he emailed me. I was I didn't reply to the email, but he got in touch with my coach. He got me to go to Nike Group Summit. The like the world team played against the USA. I went. I didn't get to play because of uh, my arm and stuff. But I was there practicing with the team, doing everything. A couple weeks, and then I pulled back home. A couple of weeks later, I got a call from him saying he got a and I mean you know going from going from Angola to Texas obviously is gonna there's gonna be a huge uh, transition adjustment. Maybe how how was that transition for you? Uh, it was kind of crazy the first month because I didn't know anything about the school or anything about the place that I was at. It was like a small town, and I was ready to go home the first two weeks. So I went. I moved there in the summer. In the summer, nobody stayed there, so I was by myself. Like two other players, and it was just like us. Now I'm like stuck in the middle of nowhere. I don't know anybody here. I don't even speak English, so I was ready to go, but they let me quick. They just like if you stay here, everything can change in like one or two more. And I decided to stay. Yeah, and you guys won a junior championship, uh, national U.S. junior championship, yes. junior college championship. How was that? Yes, man, it was great. I had a great teammate, you know, great team. It was my like, my first time to start playing. We went undefeated. I was like, what the 
Wow. <laughs> so we just went on the pit on the first year. And the second year we had up and down. But just to win at the first year, it was amazing. And then you went to Southern Methodist University, and uh, your coach there was was Larry Brown. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, people in the basketball world know who he is and, and his history. How much of that did you know? And maybe what did you learn from playing for such a great coach like him? Uh, um, he taught me to play hard. That's the, that's the thing he did. He didn't care who's going to get the ball. He just wanted you to play hard for him. As long as you would have played hard, defend and rebound, you would have played as much as you want. That's the first thing he taught me. So when I, when I had a scholarship in my school, I had to ask the other coach, like, what you want me to do? How are you going to play me? Some of the coaches were like, oh, we're going to let you do whatever you want on the offense, blah, blah, blah. But he told me, if you're coming here, I want to try to block every shot. And so that's when I decided, man, I just want to play with him because he was honest. He didn't lie to me about, oh, you can do, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Now you're going to do what I want you to do. This is how we're going to play and what's going to do to be able to play here. Um, you you had the high of, of winning the junior college championship and then uh, in your sophomore year, your season ended on probably one of your lower moments in your career uh, where you had the, the shot block uh, attempt on the three-pointer and they called it a three-pointer and UCLA ended up uh, beating you guys in the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, maybe just how much that, that moment hurt and what you learned from that. that. Uh, I mean, it hurt a little bit at first, but it was like, well, you know, I got, I had to move on. My, my everybody was supporting me. Uh, it's not your fault. You know, we lose. We win as a team and you lose as a team. So we, we lost this game. It's not on you. We just uh, had to focus on the next one. So that was, that was it. Like, you just, nobody was like, trying to point a finger to say, oh, you could just let the ball go, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, stuff happened. Maybe he, he would have made the shot. Maybe he wouldn't. So we just, you know, it's basketball. You win, you lose. So I mean, it was a bad moment for us, but. We moved past that, so I think it was. It took me a couple of minutes to get off that, but uh, I think I'm better now. And then, and then, actually, that came. That actually came after 2014. You were at the World Cup, uh, the FIBA Basketball World Cup in right. Spain, and you averaged uh, almost 18 points and more than eight rebounds. Uh, and then I had the the really big game: 38 points, 15 rebounds against Australia. Um, maybe how do you remember that tournament and uh, how, and maybe that game in particular? Um, every time I talk about the tournament, they do that. I saw the game, but um, it was great for me. Like, I was just a kid trying to have fun. You know, like, I wasn't even thinking about that game. I didn't know how that happened. I was just having fun. And when I look at the score, they said I had 30 other what? <laughs> I'm just like, you know, they have a football score and I don't even know how they have. But, you know, so I was just having fun and I had one of my 
that's what they did. They were one, and they like we just celebrated. Um, in that in that tournament, you were actually able to play with some of the you know the guys who have meant so much to Angolan basketball: Cipriano, Mingus, Moore, Gomez. Well, um, you know what was it like for you, sort of as a you know that was your first uh, senior national team tournament. You know to kind of take a little bit more of a leadership role, and maybe what did you learn from 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 those guys who you know have so much experience. Uh, I learned a lot. I I don't leave on the team. I just learned a lot. I learned how to make sure how to represent the country at a high level. You know, they just uh, told me about those guys. Like, they, uh, what's going on, they always ready to help the national team. Like, that's what they say. Like, because it means a lot to all of us put all the work that we put in during the season, during our off season to come in and represent the country at a high level. Not, not, not that many players have the opportunity to play at the World Cup, you know, and we always do. So it's just like I learned that you can be. You know, you can do something special. It doesn't matter where you come from, as long as you put your time that you work in. Um, I, I don't know if Mingus is ever going to retire. <laughs> um, but maybe he will. But obviously, you know, those guys, Cipriano, you know, more Gomez, you know, they've done so much for so long. Um, but. You know, you, you know, you're one of the leaders, kind of of let's call it the next generation. You know, maybe with uh, Bruno and uh, Bruno Fernandez and 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 Silvio um, De Silva. Uh, maybe, maybe, um, how much responsibility do you have, sort of, as one of the leaders of the next generation of Angolan basketball? I mean, a lot right now because you know you're trying to put the young guys in. Mm -hmm. I'm like. I'll be asking, oh, you trying to say I'm old? I'm <laughs> uh, just like, uh, okay, we got to bring in some more young guys. Uh, nah, I don't know. And so I kind of my job trying to just talk to this guy, kind of recruit this guy to come in. You know, we'll, we'll see this time if we can get a nice group of guys, try to get Bruno, Silvio, Valdito, the other guys that playing. You know, all they've got to come in and help the national team maybe qualify to the Olympics. We'll come to that in one second. Uh, just before that, you know, in China this summer, you, you, you had a really tough group uh, at the Basketball World Cup with Serbia, Italy, and you ended up finishing 27th. Uh, maybe what do you and, and, and the country kind of take from, from the experience that you guys had in China? I mean, it was a great experience. You know, not that many countries had the chance to be at the World Cup. You know, they have their flag represented at the World Cup. We look at that way. We were there. We worked with that our country. You know, we wanted to win every game that we played, of course. But stuff, a lot of stuff happened. We wasn't able to win, but we move on. Like we, we going to learn from this, and we're going to come back like better than we was last year. 
the uh, the draw for the Olympic qualifying tournament is was announced, and um, uh, Poland and Slovenia are in your group, and then Lithuania, Korea, Venezuela are waiting on the other side uh, in Kaunas. Uh, what do you think about the draw? Oh, uh, I don't know. I like you know, with you know, you know, you just one of those groups where you can say, oh, "Well, we got a chance." They get to play against uh, Poland, who uh, believe they beat Nigeria, and then you have you know maybe Luka Doncic uh, with Slovenia. Right, we'll see. You know, you get a start. Are you motivated? You know, you got to win the whatever you play, you just got to win the first game. So it's if you can motivate yourself for the next one. Uh, we we asked some of our uh, some of our followers on Instagram for some questions. Uh, let's get a couple of those in. This is from uh, Abagendi. Uh, what do you think about Peristerian life in Greece? Um. I like it so far. I can't complain. You know, it's a great team, great organization. Nice, uh, the city is nice. It's been nice to be since I've been here. I really can't complain. Everything is going well so far. From I'm a Millen, uh, what was your experience like playing for Raptors 905 and winning the G League championship with them? Uh, great experience again. Like, I, can't, I can't really express out, you know, we had a great team, a couple of those guys, some of them in the NBA right now, some of playing early, some of them play all over the year. I mean, great team, everybody sacrifices that. And it's just, Christos Ikus wants to know, has anybody ever told you you look like Kevin Durant? No, I would not answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that a lot. You know, a lot of guys say that. But. There, there's a little bit there. Um, Nintini Coast yeah. dot dot G. How far can Peristeri go in the BCL? How far? You know, one gram at a time. You know, we're not not going to talk say it right now, but I think that we. We stick with what we're doing right now. I think we can be in a good place at the end of the season. We gotta get better every day. We gotta work to do. Um, you, with with your addition, and also uh, I saw that uh, Mike Morrison was able to come back and play a couple minutes against Nimbrook. Uh, you know, with you guys, and then Moses Kingsley. That's a nice little uh, three-headed monster in the blocks. Maybe, maybe. What do you think about the threat you guys have in the paint? Ah, uh, it's good. We gotta get everybody healthy. You know. And, uh, is a long season. I mean, it's just um, it's a pretty good, you know, different lineup that we have as a five man, three like three guys, three, three guys that can do a lot of stuff on offense and defense. But I think we just gotta, you know, everybody gotta stay healthy. You know, it's happy to have Mike back. You know, he's trying to work on the the game shape and stuff, but as soon as they get back, I think that we're gonna have pretty, we're gonna have a pretty good chance and win almost every game. Um, you guys are in a to close off. You guys are in a uh, three way tie at four and three with uh, Nizhny Novgorod and and Bamberg. 
you have a three-point loss at home against uh, Nizhny Novgorod and a three-point uh, and a three-point loss at Bamberg. Um, maybe just talk about uh, what you guys have to do. You mentioned stay healthy, get healthy. Um, maybe just what do you guys have to do in order to get to the playoffs? I think we just got to keep working hard, get better every day. Once the, uh, we get to play them again, we all, you know, we're going to watch the film. We know where we make a mistake and we, where we can do better. You know, that, I think that's the key. Uh, everybody got to keep continuing to get better and just follow the game plan. And I think we, we got to put a good chance of when, once we play those teams again, I think we can win those games. Just We got to do a little better job on defensive end. All right, fantastic. Yannick uh, Morath from Paris Dairy Windmasters, thank you for uh, taking some time and good luck uh, down the road. All right, thank you so much. All right, thanks again to Yannick Morera for joining us on this week's podcast. Thanks to all the fans on Instagram who submitted questions for that interview. Uh, Dave, a lot of interesting stuff there. The guys had a, a fascinating career. Uh, what stood out to you from what Morera had to say? I, I think that was probably, you know, talking about some of the championships that he's, that he's won, you know, junior college, you know, going to the world, the U19 World Cup, having the big game. Uh, at, at the World Cup and 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 sort of taking over sort of the responsibility of a new generation for for Angola, you know those guys played years and years. You know he he joked, yeah, you know we we talk about it every summer when's Minga is going to hang him up. Um, you know that was one of the things about Angola is that they've you know they've had these these veterans that have been playing forever and ever and ever, and he learned from those guys. Um, and now is sort of a leader. So um, just just kind of that, and just sort of his his. You know, it goes from Angola to to Lubbock, basically Lubbock, Texas, which is, you know, a huge change, and uh, so really a fascinating career. Yeah, next week Peristeri hope host Gaziantep, uh, so they will probably be able to keep their success going in the BCL. Looking ahead to next week's schedule, uh, Dave, from Tuesday, the game that I'm most excited about, this one is going to be awesome. Anvil hosting Rasta Fecta. Anvil are 3-4, and four, Fecta 4-3 and three in Group B, so this is a super important game for playoff implications. Uh, this is going to be a really fun one to watch. What else are you, are you looking forward to from Tuesday's games? Uh, Lead Cabela's three wins in a row, uh, hosting Sasari. Um, be hard to imagine that they that they get uh, win number four in a row, but who knows? Uh, also, Bamberg, uh, Nimbrook. Uh, I'm tentatively going to that game. Um, I hope that I can make it there. I'm not sure, 100 percent sure, but that's going to be a, a big game. Bamberg to get back on on track, and Nimbrook to get a a road win and a tough place to play. And then Besiktas also, man, if they want to get back in this race um, in, in Group D, they're playing, uh, uh, they're hosting Pauk. Pauk have won three in a row. And Besiktas just let uh, Dijon score 98 in, in Turkey. So, you know, they're going to have to play better at home on defense. So that's another one. Yeah, absolutely. And on Wednesday, the game I'm most excited for, Ostend hosting Strasbourg. Both of those teams are three and four. Ostend 
currently in fourth place in Group A, but they are tied with Liedkabelis, Halone, and Strasbourg. So this is going to be a very important game for the playoff picture. Uh, we mentioned Strasbourg looking a lot better than they were earlier in the season. We'll see how they can do on the road in Belgium. Uh, Dave, what else are you looking forward to from Wednesday's games? Yeah, Wednesday's a little bit uh, has has um, the games aren't quite as 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 as, as good. Um, but Mornar uh, against Feferigo, two teams, one and six, and probably if you don't win that game, you're almost out of the competition to to the playoffs. Um, you know, so that's you know Vevriga's one win this season came against Mornar, and so now Mornar can maybe go two and uh, two wins in a row. All right, and also on Wednesday, check out uh, Brindisi hosting Neptunus in Group D. That's going to be an important one for that group. Neptunus four and three going on the road against Brindisi, who are three and four, and just had that double overtime loss to Zaragoza. So that's going to be a fun game as well. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Make sure you check out the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all the stats and analysis and news that you need to follow the BCL. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at BasketballCL. Make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. Thanks again to our guest this week, Yannick Morera from Peristeri. Thanks to the fans who submitted some questions for us on Instagram. For David Hein over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast. <laughs>